0: Hey, everybody. Thanks as always for tuning into Front Row Knowles. KJ and I can't thank you enough for continuing to listen as we get into, I think, our 10th year of Front Row Knowles. Also, a special thanks to Seminal Boosters who continues to support the program. The schedule is out. Quick reminder, your ticket and priority renewal deadline is April 18th. Great schedule, great optimism, great excitement about what's ahead in 2023. None of it's possible without Seminal Boosters. So to those of you who are members, thank you. To those of you who are not, Log on to seminalboosters.com to learn more. And now, Front Row Knowles.
1: Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way.
0: Good day, everybody. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you. This is Front Row Knowles. KJ, how are you, sir?
2: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Hey, how about how about the ladies and the guys finally getting, well, the guys finally getting their act together, but both teams on the uh, little diamond sweeping over the weekend. That hasn't happened in a while. The ladies have done it quite often, but the guys, not so much.
0: Softball wins the ACC regular season championship, and they're in uh, ACC tournament week. FSU baseball still has another week before they get to that. Uh, I failed to make it out there. I I had intentions, but uh, didn't pan out, but this women's team, I'm I'm curious about this, KJ. This is, uh, it, it feels a lot to me like the way women's college basketball used to be when it was UConn at the top. And there was a big drop after that. And you'd have three or four teams maybe that were final four caliber. And then there was another drop right now, Oklahoma's like 45 and one or something ridiculous like that, Keith. And so, I really think this FSU women's team is pretty good, but Oklahoma's really good. And that's that's got to be frustrating when you have a team that dominant.
2: Well, yes, but we talked about this last week. You know, this women's team, FSU's edition of the softball team this year, they're playing with a little bit of a chip on their shoulders because they, they got bounced last year in a fashion and at a time that they didn't enjoy. And a lot of those ladies are back. I happened to watch the Oklahoma Oklahoma State series, uh, one of the games at least that was last weekend, and you're right. They're they're both of those schools. Uh, Oklahoma obviously number one, but uh, the, the Cowgirls, as they call themselves from Oklahoma State, are, are really good as well. Uh, but FSU has risen to every challenge. I mean, they 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 in Friday's game they sealed the ACC regular season championship, but there was no let off on, on the rest of the weekend. They, they actually swept that series. So. Um, I, I like their chances. I understand that, that the competition is going to get much better, uh, but I like their chances. I, I just I think Coach Alameda, she's just got that it. We always talk about the it. She's just got the it uh, to find that little thing or, or two to do during a series that really, really helps them. And
0: uh, I'm just excited for them. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that, that it uh, continues for quite a while. Let me give our listeners a disclaimer here. Uh, Typically, we tape the show, but uh, we're taping even earlier this week than normal, and that's due to my work schedule this week. I'm going to be out of town. So as we talk, it's Monday night. So we're steering clear of the guys that FSU hosted from the transfer portal this weekend, even though there'd be a couple of key guys that they commit. Uh, We'll be able to, but hopefully by next week, I'm sure by next week, we'll know one way or the other on those guys because the, the summer sessions will start at FSU next week. And Uh, We'll get our Osceola insiders to weigh in. We're not going to hear from them tonight, but we appreciate uh, all that they bring to the program on a regular basis. So continue to to visit the Osceola and stay plugged in with Bob and Jerry and Kurt and Patrick and everybody. Uh, Instead, we're going to catch up with an old friend, uh, Keith, and and listeners to Front Row Knowles know that we do this once a year with Charles Davis. And uh, just a a first-class individual. You and I could tell stories for a while, but I think the biggest thing, and this is a credit to him, he has not changed a lick since you and I were first working with him. When he honestly was breaking into broadcasting, I mean, he had worked in athletics administration and he had worked at a PGA tour stop at Disney, and then he got involved with Sunshine Network. And so uh, I'm not sure if you get credit for his successful broadcast career or I do. Uh, no, he gets all the credit for that, but he's the same guy and it's, it's always good to catch up with him.
2: He, he's first and foremost, as you've mentioned, a quality individual. Uh, and, you know, one of the privileges I had in doing 20 years of basketball with Deckerhoff, and you worked with him on the football side, and, and you know, we both were fortunate enough to do some baseball with Gene back when that was being done. You know, Gene's a quality individual. I mean, they're just, he and Charles are just people that you want to associate with, you want to be around. If you need something and they can do it, they will. Uh, they'll reach out to you if you think you can contribute something to them. Uh, and with all his success, and maybe maybe not all of our listeners are aware of all the things that C.D. has done and is doing, but let's just say that uh, they fly him out to L.A. once a week uh, to do games and to do studio shows, um, you know, with all the remote work that's going on now, uh, that's a testament to how valuable he is uh, to and what he brings to the table. And he's been doing the NFL draft for 10 years, maybe 12 yeah.
0: years. Yep, he does the NFL draft with the NFL Network. He's NFL on CBS, works with Ian Eagle, and uh, just, just does a really good job. For a while, was, was doing college. Thing. Has, done, has done all of it, but obviously uh, excelling at the highest level. He'll join us for the next two segments. We'll look back at this past year's NFL draft, but more than that, we'll look ahead. Florida State's going to be loaded. We might have to have him on more than just once a year, given that Florida State's going to have quite the haul coming up. Maybe we should send him a note to let him know. We won't do it draft (laughs) week, but, but we may tap in a little bit. Anyway, the conversation with Charles Davis starts right after this on Front Row Knowles.
1: Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith.
0: Welcome back to Front Row Knowles, Tom Block, Keith Jones with you, and really pleased to bring back uh, an old friend of the program that join us, uh, joins us annually at this time as we open up the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Say hello to NFL analyst, NFL on CBS, Charles Davis, and 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 six more bullet points on the resume, I'm sure, but Charles, how are you, sir? I'm doing well.
3: It's great to talk with you again, Tom. You, Keith, thanks for having me on. It's always
0: fun. Oh, we always love catching up, and we left you alone pre-draft this time around. I'm going to give you the disclaimer now. Now we'll hit you a couple of weeks in advance of next year's draft, but next year yeah. FSU is actually going to be talked about in the draft, so love so it. we'll we'll have a lot to catch up on in advance. But but for, yeah, for for our listeners' sake, give us an idea when the you know, what does your draft prep look like? How long? How much? How much tape? How much reading? I mean, walk us through what's that, what that's like.
3: You know, Tom, you and Keith know, know from having done games, right, from having done just work, whatever our job is, right, all of those things, and anyone who's watching, listening to us can relate the exact same way. Whatever your job is, you're going to do that amount of preparation for whatever is coming up if, indeed, you like your job and want to hold on to it, right? We're all the same person. So it does not matter what you do. It's whatever that prep is. So, Tom, I, I remember in the beginning, I probably did count hours because you know what it's like when you first start something. You want everyone to know just how hard you've worked. And I was up till such and such an hour doing such and such a thing. And, you know, at the end of the day, no one cares. They just want to know whether you got it done and did you do it well. So that's kind of where it is for me. I will say this. I make the same vow every year now that I do NFL games. My vow is one day a week, I'm going to look at some college tape. I'm going to stay abreast of what's going on. I'm going to know who the players are so that when I get to January, it won't be so difficult. And somewhere around, what would you say, Keith? What would you estimate? Third week in September? That goes right by the wayside. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Crab, exactly. Right? And, I mean, and I'm things- like, oh, come January, here we go again. Let's start cramming. Now, am I watching games occasionally? Sure. Am I trying to stay abreast? I'm trying. But nowhere near like you would do, like if you are my colleague Daniel Jeremiah at NFL Network. That's his full-time gig. So he's up on everything no matter what. And he's up on the next year already. Mel Kiper, Todd McShay, you know, Matt Miller, you know, the, the people of the world that we know that follow this, and I'm not trying to slight anyone because there are a lot of really good ones out there, but they're the ones who are up on it 24-7. That's their main gig. I dive in fully come January, and then I'm playing catch-up, and I'm trying, to, I'm trying to be ready for my midterm or my final, which is the draft itself.
2: <laughs> CD, do you find yourself, Tom and I talked about this over 20 years, when we prep for a game, we knew we had done enough prep if we only talked about 25% of what we prepared for. Right. Do you have a similar type of ratio that uh, when, when things finally close down and you look at your cheat sheets, Yeah. do you, you have a ratio of stuff you want to make sure you didn't get to because that tells you you did enough work? Absolutely. And
3: as you know, KJ, the game will dictate part of it too because if the game's really good, that ratio goes down even more, doesn't it?
2: You're talking about what's happening.
3: It's just a great game. So you don't have to bring in the other stuff. The worse the game, the more stuff you have to use. In the draft itself, it's a little bit different because it just depends on how the draft is flowing, how fast the picks are coming. And the way we do things at NFL Network, we take every single pick through the first five through five rounds. Once we get through the fifth round. And actually, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I know it's through the first four rounds. Maybe it's like somewhere partly way through the fifth round. Now we're not taking every pick, and we'll go back and recount the last 10. And then you can kind of cherry pick a little bit. If you're not as up on one player, you can go, well, this, uh, you know, Joe Bull over here, he went. that sort of the <laughs> deal. But I think the goal for all of us, like if the three of us were doing it, I know you guys really well, having been fortunate enough to work with you both. Let's say the three of us were doing the draft. I think the three of us would call it a success in a lot of ways if at the end of the draft, none of us looked at each other at one point and all three of us didn't know a certain player. You know, I think among the three of us, we should have it pretty well covered. Two years ago, we had a young man come off the board from Yale named Rodney Thomas. Daniel Jeremiah didn't know him. I didn't know him. Peter Schrager was on the desk, but I don't hold Peter to that standard for us because his role is way different. He's much more of a background information guy. He's not the one who's supposed to be grinding tape and knowing these kids. And that felt bad. Two reasons. One, you feel exposed. But even probably bigger, and I know this may sound a little bit trite, but it's not. I feel like I'm spoiling that young man's day. Like that's a very important day for him. And the idea that me and Daniel can look at each other and go, well, we really don't know this young man. I feel like I'm hurting his day. I feel like I'm devaluing who he is. And that bothers me. This year, we didn't have that. Most years, we don't have that. And I consider that a success when we're able to talk about each kid because to me, they deserve their due.
0: Charles, before we uh, dive in, uh, you know, regarding next year, and I want to talk a little about the effects of NIL on guys making their draft decision, but the obligatory, FSU had one guy picked this year, Jamie Robinson goes to Carolina. We saw him play for two years. Keith certainly is a former safety and you as a former DB. I don't know if you hone in more on that position, but what did Carolina get? What do you think the future holds for him at the next level?
3: I think he went to a really good team for him in, in so many different ways for this reason, especially. On the back end of their defense, there's a young man by the name of Jeremy Chin. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to see Jeremy play during his time in the NFL or if you saw him when he was at Southern Illinois or or what have you. But he's one of those versatile hybrid type players that can play close to the line of scrimmage, can play all the way in the back, can play more of a linebacker. And he has a major impact closer to the line of scrimmage. And in his career, he's done both where he's been a a safety playing on the back end, and he's been much more of the hybrid guy. They've got a brand-new defense coordinator, an Ijiro Evro, who comes from Denver. And you remember, you know Justin Simmons? They're all pro safety. You know how they use Justin in Denver. I think they use Jeremy Chin very similarly, which to me opens up space for Jamie Robinson to play more of a back safety, even though you guys know when he arrives, he arrives with a boom. Okay. But if he can help himself a little bit and play more of that pure safety role, I think that'll allow him to get on the field a lot quicker with Carolina. Cause I really think Jeremy Chin's going to be all over the place and will be more closer to the line of scrimmage than he will be anywhere else.
2: CD we're, we're talking ahead and obviously you haven't prepped and we don't know what it means, but Florida state will not have one kid drafted next time. There may be as many as eight or 10, right? What's the, What's the perception? Uh, is Florida State coming back in the eyes of the NFL talent scouts? Or, yeah. or is this still a year or two away?
3: No, no question about it, KJ. I heard that this year from different scouts when I was talking about different people. Like Every time Jamie Robinson's name came up, because that was the name that would come up most often with NFL people, I would get more times than not that same scout personnel person, GM, whatever saying, Yeah. But next year we're back to more of a normal Florida state deal. Like this, this is, this is unusual. And usually it would come with, yeah, you know what that's like, Davis, you're a Tennessee guy. Remember how barren it was. Heck DJ was making jokes about the number of app state guys going ahead of you. So you understand Florida state's (laughs) coming back And, and, and that's kind of where it is. So that doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, last year's season, winning 10, winning the bowl game, it's a great announcement that, hey, 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 they're working their way back, and this is a nice thing to see. And let's just be frank about the whole thing. Florida State means great TV ratings. People like Florida State on TV, and when Florida State's good, that means a lot. Florida State is a national name. They gave up being a regional name a long time ago, and people like it when they are good. Because when they're good, it increases the inventory of what we're talking about in in terms of games and TV. Florida State playing Notre Dame, Florida State playing Clemson, Florida State playing Miami, Florida State playing Florida, and whatever other non-conference game might kick in, like in recent, like what we have last year, Florida State LSU. This year, I think it's in Orlando, if I'm not mistaken. Those games mean a lot to people across the country, and it means a heck of a lot to TV executives.
0: Charles, I want to ask you about one guy in particular. And you know, I mean, FSU, it'll depend on how this year plays out. But I mean, Johnny Wilson's still going to be six foot seven next year, right? So the NFL is going to like him. And Jared Verse is still going to be a freak athlete. So he's going to go pretty high. But I feel like Jordan Travis could win the Heisman and Florida State could be unbeaten and he could throw 30 touchdowns and no picks. And at the end of the year, he's still going to measure out at six foot and a half inch or whatever his height is. And he's not going to have those measurables. But the NFL has changed. In in terms of who's succeeding. And I'm just curious what you think Jordan Travis equates to uh, both in terms of draft position or could equate to and, and next
3: level. Well, you know, Tom, when, when we get to a Jordan Travis, this is where, this is where I am on all these quarterbacks. Now I think all three of us remember when a guy kind of emerged, you followed him all the way through, but what you saw You just watched it get honed. You kind of knew who he was probably a sophomore year. Maybe junior if he didn't start until until then, whatever it was. But think about in recent years. Joe Burrow went into his senior year literally with a third-day grade, meaning fourth round, okay? Came out and was the number one pick in the draft after one more season at LSU. Zach Wilson, we can talk all we want now about him being a bust in New York. That still remains to be seen down the road. But obviously, he hasn't met expectations. But again, the year before he came out, he had a third-day grade on it. He's number two pick in the entire draft. I sit and watch these guys now and say, okay, let's, let's give them that extra year and see where it goes and see how it matches up with everyone else that's coming out at the same time. Bryce Young, Tom, you 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 just mentioned the size of Jordan Travis. Bryce Young's smaller. He's number one pick in the entire draft. No one was really – I say no one's worried about it. It was a discussion point, but obviously not to the point that it kept him from being that guy. The rules of the game have changed. Heath, you played during a time, I think, when the transition maybe was starting, but we weren't quite there in terms of the hits on quarterbacks the hits that you could put on receivers downfield, all of those things. Like when you put your forearm right into a guy's goozle, we replayed that and celebrated it. Now you put that forearm through there, there's going to be a flag. You're going to be out of the game. You're going to be all that other stuff. It's a different deal. I've equated it this way. Think of the quarterbacks you played against, Keith. Think of the quarterbacks that ruled the NFL, Tom, during our growing up and formative years. And then you meet them. And the first thing that goes through your mind is, my goodness, these are some large human beings. (laughs) You're exactly right. Back then, mastodons ruled the earth. And if you couldn't hold up with a helmet in your back and a forearm around your neck. And heck, remember Joe Turkey Jones Back, back suplexing Terry Bradshaw on his head? and it may have gotten a flag, <laughs> but Joe Turkey Jones wasn't kicked out of the league. Now he would be. Now the, you know, the smaller quarterback can play and adjust. So for Jordan Travis, I think he's starting in a good spot where rising can happen. I think in the old days, as you pointed out, with his size and where he is and how people look at him, I don't know that that's there. I think that there's an opportunity. Let's just put it to you this way. Everyone said Stetson Bennett was not an NFL quarterback for three years, and he won two national championships, and by the time it was done, even with some questionable off-field activity, he went in the fourth round. It can happen. It can rise. We've seen it. Joe Burrow, when you meet him in person, you're not going to be blown away by his size. It's not like Dan Marino walked into the room. It's not like Boomer Esiason walked into the room. Peyton Manning walked into the room. Those are really large, tall, big people. These are normal, average-sized people who are doing quite well.
0: We're talking with Charles Davis on Front Row Knowles, catching up with an old friend. We'll continue our conversation here momentarily. Stay with us on uh, FRN.
1: Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Welcome
0: back, Tom Block, Keith Jones. With you, good to catch up with uh, with Charles Davis, who's with uh, CBS NFL Network. And Charles, we go so far back. It, not only was it not valley sports was it not sun sports it was sunshine network yes sir
3: yes sir
0: <laughs> back <laughs> do, in the day do, do,
3: do we do we all still have some gear from sunshine network do you have, I a, have a
2: hat have? i have a hat that's in
0: my office it says there sunshine you network <laughs> tom you've got some <laughs> stuff right uh i've got some check stubs for sure if i'd get to shred my tax uh, info from all those years ago yeah i've got some swag somewhere back in. The, hey that's We always keep the swag, Charles. You know, that's the way you roll if you're going to get in the media.
3: Absolutely. Listen, if you're in the media, there's two things. You want to know what the spread is at a game that you're going to work and what kind of swag are you going to get.
0: And sometimes
3: you're excited about a game more for the spread than the game itself.
0: (laughs) That's exactly (laughs) right. Hey, I I mentioned earlier, and I'm curious, and maybe it's too early to see this, but uh, and I know you're focused on NFL, but NIL – now appears to be enough of a factor that, uh, you know, some guys are coming back for an extra year, and and I'm not saying they wouldn't have been drafted. There's always been this thing, guys declare for the draft and then don't get drafted, you know. That that will always exist to some degree. But, I mean, Florida State's got guys that have come back that maybe they move up a round or two. If not, they've made money in the meantime. What's your thoughts on any kind of impact you've seen or you're hearing about from NIL as it relates to the NFL? Well, I think the NFL guys are kind of excited about NIL, to
3: be frank with you because they're hoping that the guys who are borderline about coming out or could be better players with more experience, I think they're kind of hoping the NIL keeps them in school, lets them gain that experience, lets them play, because then you're getting a better football player. You're getting a better person coming out. Back in our day, you couldn't come out like, you know, look, I'm old enough to remember you couldn't come out early. So exactly. you had to be four years. Okay. Then it became, okay, you got to be on campus three years and what have you. So you were getting that. Okay, that, that's cool. But now with this NIL, you got some kids who get talked into it from various places. A lot of people want to blame agents. There's an element of that. You know who's worse? Families. The absolute worst, okay? Families will talk kids into coming out earlier than they should based on their circumstances. Them need, Maybe they need money. Maybe they have dollar signs in their eyes. Maybe they want, who knows what it is, but the NIL can tamp that down. I literally just talked with someone about a basketball player, all right, who said that this kid can't transfer from a school he's in, even though he's not playing, because the family said, nah, the NIL money's too good. I don't care if you play or not. We need the NIL money. He (laughs) wants to transfer to go play. And his family's like, nope, can't do it. So sometimes you're going to have that too, but I do think that some guys, now look, Jared Verse, I don't know that NIL made a difference. I wonder if he just said, I want to increase it from, I think I'm in the top 20 to 30, so I want to get into the top 10 and he can do that next year. And let's be honest, who would ever thought we'd be talking about a University of Albany transfer having that kind of an impact at a power five school like Florida State? where everyone is locked in on him, and he played to that level. That's a pretty good gig. So I do think the NIL, from the NFL standpoint, I don't think that they're minding it. I think they're kind of liking it a little bit, hoping that more kids will come out and be a more polished product as opposed to flooding the draft, having to evaluate them, and now you're going again on, do we think the ceiling's there? Do we think if he comes to us, he gets better? Ah, It's a little bit tougher for the evaluation.
2: You know, Charles, you bring up a really good point that I hadn't really thought about. In the NBA, they can put you in the development league. Yeah. They can hide you for a year or two, and you're still playing 50 or 60 games. Uh, you know, if you, if you go early and you get drafted late, you're on the scout team. Yep. I mean, you're not, you're not necessarily getting meaningful reps. No. So Jordan Travis comes out early. Yeah. Goes somewhere and is the number three quarterback in 2023 he's not going to get any snaps right if he comes back to florida state plays an entire season always the injury possibility but granted absolutely
3: yeah but he wait. gets
2: another he gets another six seven hundred snaps a the experience b it's on tate c he's a year bigger faster stronger i've never really processed that you may be you may be on to something right there that nil thing may end up being the nfl's development <laughs> league it, it might be because i know
3: fans are now looking at the USFL and the XFL and saying oh there's your developmental leagues. eh not really. because number 1 there's no guarantee they're going to be around. all right we've how many in our lifetime this is what our second or third USFL
2: and our Charles, third or fourth Charles, XFL? you and i you and i might have signed with the USFL that had been two years earlier. <laughs> I, we were right on the borderline. like the
3: Exactly. The NFL exactly. went out about the time I was ready to go try. But we've seen the UFL, right? <laughs> your your the,
2: league, Europe, European League?
3: The Euro, NFL Europe and the European, the World League of American Football, the WLAF. We've seen the AAF. We've seen a lot of leagues, but none of them, and the NFL is very careful about it and very intentional to use the word that everyone's using like crazy now that they don't sign deals with these leagues. They just wait and see how it plays out. And then the leagues are smart enough to leave the contracts open for these youngsters that if they do show well enough that they can go and get that tryout with the NFL. Now, people are asking me all the time, are you watching the USFL, the XFL? And I'll be perfectly frank with you. When I was younger. Yeah. I haven't watched a snap of those leagues, and I don't know how long, because I just don't have the bandwidth. And let's be honest about it. If five guys come out of that league to make the NFL the next year, I think I'll be able to pick up on that pretty easily and do my homework and find out who those five are. It's just not its not a flood yet. As opposed to The colleges to 50. are still the better training ground for the NFL. That's still their minor league. The XFL, USFL are not their minor league.
2: And that was my, my, the point I was going to make, echoing you. That's fifty or sixty kids that will get a look because they're at Michigan Absolutely. and Florida and Florida State and USC and Texas and Alabama and Georgia and on and on and on.
3: Absolutely, and and it's you know, and that's just kind of where it's going. So, I'm eager to see where the NIL goes. The colleges have their own, having to work through NIL. I mean, we've heard all this discussion about. Some coaches having to coach a kid who's making more money than he is, which feels very (laughs) NFL-ish. But we'll see how that all plays out, shakes out. I was wondering about how it would would affect fans in the beginning. Like I thought, ooh, this is going to be interesting because fans are used to that college model. And even though it hasn't been true forever in terms of amateur versus professional, people like the mystique of it. And guess what? I have not seen an appreciable difference. If they were a fan of FSU before, I have not heard the, the NIL chasing them away.
0: You're talking about all those leagues, Charles, and the NFL just kind of sitting back. The NFL, maybe World League they did, but other than that, they're not putting a dime into any of this. I mean, are they? is there ever going to be a scenario where the NFL and he's up to help get any of these guys right? I don't know what it looked like, but I mean, they're just sitting back, not worrying about it. I think the only way that that kicks in
3: again, and and thanks for bringing that up, Tom, because it's such a great point that the the NFL and the World League, as you guys point out, or NFL Europe, as it came to be known, was theirs. But it became cost prohibitive, et cetera, et cetera, and they decided not to do it. I think the only way that happens is if somehow the collegiate model goes in a whole different direction. And I'm not sure what that would be, but why would you put anything into it if you're the NFL when you have your training ground there. And by the way, with how the money has increased for coaches or for for obviously the players in the NIL now, the whole deal, you don't need to put any money into it. Other people are taking care of that for you. And really good coaches don't have to jump to the NFL to make good money now. They can stay in the college game and continue to coach them up there. And the coaching continues to be good.
0: Yeah, but now they got to recruit the same kid every year he's on every campus. year yeah they're happy
3: to go to the nfl <laughs> yeah you know it's funny wouldn't you love the three of us to be flies on the wall every year as you pointed out tom because all my coaching friends and i'm sure they've told you the same let me know if i'm wrong please they have a meeting in the after the season's over and that meeting is here are the guys on our team currently who are we re-recruiting to keep and who are we okay with? If they want to take a hike and go, they can go.
2: We're going to give them, give them an invitation and make sure they know how the, the transfer portal works. Just absolutely. ask Dion, Just ask and, Dion. You know,
3: and here it is, 1-800-TRANSFER-PORTAL. Call it. So <laughs> that's where it is now. And, Tom, you're so right. You have to re-recruit those kids each and every year. And what's interesting to me in watching it is, especially quarterbacks, I watch quarterbacks invest in the school for three, four years where they're the starter. And then that last year they take off and go somewhere else. It's very interesting. Like Sam Hartman has invested at Wake Forest and has put up huge numbers. And we know he's, he's at Notre Dame for, for one final go round. You got one year to get it done. I'm not saying he's right or he's wrong. I've met the young man. I really like him. I've just wondered Sometimes that comfort zone, knowing your coach, knowing your system, play play loose and easy. You start over at another place. Is that to your advantage? Is it a disadvantage? Again, it's going to be a case-by-case basis. But we're seeing a lot of that where they take off and go. And you also know as soon as they lose a starting job, they're gone. Like, you know, DJ Uunglele, U-ungle, he's at Oregon State. Different shade of orange. And that's a whole different place than Clemson. But as soon as that, you know, he lost that job, we knew he was going somewhere, and that's again not a criticism. That's just the way the game is played now.
2: See, we used to say it's a sixty-four thousand dollar question. You know, why would they do that? What's it going to be like? <laughs> that ain't enough money anymore. No. <laughs> like, how funny? How funny
3: is it if the three of us sat to sat down and we turned on ESPN and watched Thirty for Thirty in the Pony Express with the with the SMU scandal and the whole thing? And we watch it now and we look at each other and go, huh. Wonder why we were up. They, they were ahead of their time. They just they 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 lived the future before the rest of us caught up. They were overachievers. They really were. I mean, they were already, they had it all set up. I mean, my favorite part was when I forgot who it was, said, Well, we're trying to stop it, and then we realized they were essentially all employees at that point, and we had contracts. And we said, tell you what, we got to go one more year to clear the contracts, and then we'll get right. And, of course, everything blew up before then. But nowadays, that's essentially what you have on every roster.
0: Charles, the Foot Locker scandal at FSU was like six grand worth of memorabilia split among like 15 guys. And then people lost their mind. Peter Warwick Don't and forget Lavergius the seafood dinner. For, oh, yes. Don't bucks. forget the
2: seafood dinner.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just, just think about that now. They get handed that as soon as they walk in the door. Like yeah. I forgot who was telling me about one school, and I don't know which one it is, but they've done such a nice job of setting up their NIL that everyone gets a certain amount every month. And then depending on you know, what other people want to bring to the table from outside of that, other people can get it. And what I've discovered, and I learned it very quickly, when the NIL started, I don't know how you guys thought, But when I first heard about NIL, my first thought was, this is going to be interesting in the locker room because the stars are going to get paid. What about everyone else? And you know what I discovered? And this is just me. It's about people's stories. And all of a sudden, there were people getting NIL deals, some lucrative, some not lucrative, that were based on their story. I knew one of a walk-on at a Power 5 school who had his own lawn service deal because he had been doing that and that was his job. And he had employees and the whole deal. He ended up getting an NIL out of, he's a third string guy who never played, but he got an NIL. (laughs) Then I remember the first day the NIL even came into existence on a national deal. The Cavender twins, the young ladies who were at Fresno state. And then they signed for over a million dollars day one at Fresno, Fresno state. I fell out of my chair. And then I researched them because I said, okay, they're very attractive young ladies. Is that what the story is? And it turned out that was part of the story. The other part was they could play. One was the Mountain West Conference Player of the Year. Her sister was also first team all Mountain West. And then they parlayed it and went to Miami and took it to new levels. And now they're off doing their own thing in the rest of the world. So stories have become a big part of the NIL. Can you play? Sure. But if you have a story, you might get a little taste of something that you didn't expect to get. And it's been very interesting watching how that's proceeded and how it continues to evolve.
0: Talking with Charles Davis, we'll, we'll, we'll let you get going here. I'm curious, as we wrap up, Charles, now that the NFL draft is no longer in New York and it gets moved around, how, how's that been? I mean, it, it, obviously the crowd is packed when we watch it on TV. What's your thoughts here? It has been
3: beyond anyone's wildest dreams. I think the most optimistic person who said we should take it on the road had no idea just how good it was going to be. It was a gamble. It was set. It was perfect in New York. Your infrastructure was there. The league office didn't have to move all their stuff. Everything was right there. So the gamble kicked in, and what I think it was sold on was only a certain amount of cities can truly host Super Bowls. This is another way to take it to places that can't. Now, we're going to have it in places like Detroit's had two Super Bowls. I'll be frank; I don't foresee another Super Bowl in Detroit. <laughs> I just
2: not unless they do something new.
3: <laughs> we did Minneapolis when it got the new stadium, and it was brutally cold. the The best thing I saw, what I saw all week. Were those statues of people hailing calves because they were frozen doing this. Yeah. <laughs> what <Which> you saw? <laughs> That's not what I think anyone has in mind about going to a Super Bowl. But places that can't host them, wow. And it has turned out to be unbelievable. I'll put it this way: Nashville's the gold standard right now because they were able to take country and western city, Broadway, Fourth Street or whatever it's called, and block it. No cars, and people just flooded it out. Had over 600,000 people in a three-day span. Kansas City, Union Station, perfect venue, everything set up, but you don't have the same ability to put as many people in one spot. So they had over 300,000, and it was a monster weekend. Detroit, next year, they're going for it. All right, believe me, I was there for the announcement that they were getting it. It has been better than anyone could have ever possibly hoped. And each city has embraced it like you wouldn't believe. So since we've moved it, Chicago the first two years, Philadelphia, Arlington, Texas, so I don't get the Cowboys fans upset, Nashville, Cleveland, Las Vegas, Kansas City. Next year, Detroit. Here's how good it is, and I'll leave it at this. This is how good it is in these cities. You ready? We go to Philly early in this whole process. And they have it up on the steps that Rocky ran up, you know, where the, where the, the, the yeah. museum is. And I say to an officer there, big time in, in the in the city of Philadelphia police, I said, sir, let me just ask you real quick. What's it been like with all of this and how's it going, et cetera? And he goes, well, the good thing was in March, the Pope visited Philadelphia. And we use that as a dry run for this. (laughs) (laughs) The Pope was a dry run for the NFL draft. Now think about that. Wow! All well, over. I said, "Are you kidding me?" The Pope was a dry run. He's like, <laughs> "Yeah, we used the Pope's visit as a dry run, so we were ready for this, and and it helped us a lot. And this is still way
0: bigger."
2: <laughs>
3: That's a great story. Hey,
0: Charles, I got I got to wrap up this segment. Let me uh let me get us the break here. But uh, appreciate it as always. This is Front Row Knowles.
1: Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank studios. Back on Front Row Knowles, Tom Block, Keith
0: Jones, and man, always. Always great to, to catch up with Charles, and uh, he, he left us with a good story there. I don't know he's what the was the Was it the draft going to Philly or Charles going to Philly? <laughs> <laughs>
2: he's the only guy. That's a good question. But he's the only guy that can weave a story with the Pope being involved in the NFL draft and, and make it sound right and, and make it sound good.
0: He got Rocky involved <laughs> in that story, too, all in once. That's true. That's that true. You're going to tell a Philly story. Uh anyway, uh great great to connect with him and and uh good insight as always. Uh we uh we ran so long with him this is a pretty short segment. We'll we'll do this again next week. As I mentioned at the start, the the disclaimer here folks, we we recorded the show early in the week cuz I'm out of town midweek for uh for work. So we'll get back to transfer portal business and what that means for Mike Norvell and the knolls uh when we do this again next week. Does that sound like a plan KJ? It is a plan, Tommy. All right. Well, we uh we appreciate everybody tuning in folks. Have a great week. Till next week. He's Keith, I'm Tom, and this is Front Row Knowles.